0: From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, go to atonement.live slash And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and I am joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. And today we have another guest. Today we welcome Caitlin Hansen. Caitlin is a senior in a high school here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And Caitlin, welcome
1: to That Podcast. Hi. Uh, (laughs) There it is. (laughs) DJ recently found what all the buttons mean right, on the sound so, machine. Yep. <laughs> so
2: before we get into like the, the real deep stuff, I'm just, I love this thing so much. I wanted to share some of these sounds. Listen to this one. This one's great. Oh, isn't that cool? And then where was the other one that I saw that I really liked? Um, let's see. You got a drum roll. Ooh. Right?
0: Look at that. Some of them are more drawn out than I'd like.
2: Yeah, right? But I think this one is still my favorite. Yeah.
0: That's the one that gets used the most, I yes. would say, around here. Absolutely. Yeah. So so I'm th- setting it far away from me <laughs> so we can get into serious things. Did, did you notice how when you came in, it was right there for you? I did. It yep. was
2: waiting for me, almost like yeah. it was tempting me yeah. uh, <laughs> to push the buttons and make the funny sounds.
0: Yeah. So, well, Caitlin, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing Good. Good.
0: <laughs> um how is uh how's navigating school right now with I mean it's summertime but
3: yeah it's just I don't know it's definitely different and it's definitely hard like to think about everything that we might not have for the school year but like I don't know you can't do anything about it so you just make the best out of it so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah exactly
0: yeah. um for everybody who, who doesn't know I met Caitlin last summer uh, we went on a mission trip to San Francisco, and I've, I don't know if I've said it before on the podcast, but I know that I've told people, um, without a doubt, top five moment in my life going on that trip to yeah. San Francisco. It was amazing. It was really cool. So I invited Caitlin on to talk about uh, mission trips and homelessness, um, because we ran into the, a lot of that in San Francisco. So I'll, I'll let you just explain kind of what we did and and what you learned while we were there.
3: Yeah, okay. And I'd also just like to touch on, like, I did a sociology project on homelessness. So um along with, like, the personal, like, anecdotes, like, I think there's a lot to say about, like, some of the, like, you know, like, statistics, like the facts mm-hmm. about homelessness, mm-hmm. because once you have an understanding about that and then you hear about... Like, the personal, like, stories, I think it just all, like, really gives you a really good understanding of the issue.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
3: Okay, so, for, like, the statistics that I just put in my, like, project I did a while ago, um, I just, like, I wanted to start with, like, what is homelessness? And it's the situation of an individual, family, or community without stable, safe, permanent, appropriate housing, or the immediate prospect, means, and ability of acquiring it. And I think that's really important just for people to know because a lot of people see people, like, with, like, an f- iPhone or people that, like, dress nicely or something. And they're, like, well, they can't be homeless because they don't look like it. Or they if they can afford that, then they're not homeless. And it's, like, homelessness is different in a lot of different, like, situations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people just need to, like, understand there's a lot more to it than, like, you can usually see. And it's, like, a bigger problem than we realize
0: yeah. You know, uh, something that I don't know if maybe this is already a, a term under housed is almost something uh, that I think of it as because the first night we were in San Francisco, we stayed at a church that wasn't affiliated with the, the organization that we were working with. Um, but the guy who ran the church now, this is this is the guy. He wasn't a pastor, but he you know, takes care of all the day to day stuff like a director there his home was a houseboat Mm -hmm. that's where he lived in Mm -hmm. san francisco right in the right in the bay Mm -hmm. so we found a lot of that too in san francisco
3: it's i mean it's interesting it's like the more like housing like rates go up and everything like that it's just harder for people to find like affordable housing and that's one of the that is the actual um biggest issue with homelessness which makes sense i mean homelessness like just like affordable housing is the biggest issue and like that's the biggest cause and it's not, it's not drugs, it's not stuff like that. It is just, like, not having the, like, funds for a house. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was interesting, too. Um, 552,830 people were considered homeless on a single night in 2018. But that number is hard to, like, make sense of. And so that represents 17 out of every 10,000 people in the United States, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of, like, a lot just mm-hmm. to think about. Cause like we're so blessed in this area in Fargo that we don't really see that, right. but it is a lot, and I think that's one of the parts of the trip that like meant the most to me because you hear about it, but when you see it in person, it just means a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: for sure. And we saw it. I mean, it was it was everywhere, and and it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't in one part of town or another part of town. You mm-hmm. could go anywhere in San Francisco. And there would, there would be homeless people there because there's so many, I think, do you remember, Caitlin, was the number 10,000 in San Francisco alone
3: Uh, I don't remember. I think. uh, I know it's the highest in California, so it's got to be something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: So why San Francisco? I mean, I I know it's really pretty and temperate year round. Is, Is that the reasoning? I mean. Well,
3: home, like the housing there is so expensive too, and it's like. You think that these people can just move away, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like factors that go into that. Like they have family, or they have sure. like they that's the only area they know. They might not be educated. They might not have the means to move. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of people just think they can pick up and leave somewhere less expensive. But it is more complicated than that. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. usually they just don't think about that kind of stuff. So, so it's yeah.
2: not so much um, homeless emigrating for, from more hostile areas. Like you know, uh, if you're in Fargo during the winter time and you don't have some type of shelter, you're going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it's folks that are from that area you're saying.
3: I believe like it might be a mixture of both. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but like from what I've seen in the research, like people don't really move a lot when they're homeless, like in that, like retro- like if they've become homeless in an area, it's not because like always just like the temperature and stuff. A lot of times it's just cause like, that's like a more expensive place to live too. Mm-hmm. And they just can't
2: get out.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. We found different things while we were there. Um, there was one gentleman we ran into uh, who came from Chicago, and actually Derek Hayes. Do you remember Derek, the guy that we ran into at the the ice cream, uh, the ice cream yes. stand that yes. night? Um, he actually had been followed around by somebody who um, he wasn't making a documentary. He was. Just sort of seeing how he lived and like what was going on, and this guy following him around uh, is an artist, and he made a three story mural on a building in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and we got a a picture
3: with the homeless man in front of the mural
0: with him, and then also yeah in front of the mural there. But he was from Chicago. Uh, we found other people from San Francisco. Yeah. But another thing to go along with what you said, Caitlin, about why they're not leaving is safety, as weird mm. as it seems they know they know what they have in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. they know who they have they mm-hmm. you know leaving is terrifying as as strange as that may seem to yeah. us.
3: and it's just like it's not so much like a logical issue as like an emotional issue sometimes, I think right, yeah. Um, just I like
2: most things in life, it's not just, you have a choice between A and B yeah, and B will give you one result and A will. There's a lot more to it. Yeah.
3: It's definitely more complicated than a lot of people like realize. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the issue itself is more complicated than people realize. And it's just like, I feel like it's something that our country needs to just, like, focus on a little more because we are one of the, I mean, richest countries in the world, and why are we still struggling with this, you know? Right. It's just, like, I don't know. It's just frustrating, and, I mean, it's something I have a heart for, and it's just, like, to think that while we're in our beds, there are homeless people out on the streets. It just, like, bothers me sometimes, and yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah, That was something I thought of a lot, too, um, even after I came back was – We got to leave. Mm -hmm. We got to come home. Our life went back to what it was before we went there. Mm -hmm. And probably, if not all of those people, most of those people, a year, a little over a year later, are living the same life as they were when we were there. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we were on the trip and we did the one, like... Exercise where you guys gave us I think it was ten dollars was it ten dollars to go buy lunch for Ourselves and walk around and live like homeless people. It was two dollars
0: per person two
3: dollars per person Yeah, I think we had yeah, we had like five people And so we went to the store and it was kind of hard But we were like trying to make it work and I mean it was a little like I mean, I don't even want to say fun, but it was just kind of like oh, how do we do this? You know like a problem. It was a a challenge. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a challenge and you know But then the reality set in this one lady's like hey, can you buy me something and we were like well, we don't have, like, enough money. And she looked at us, and we're wearing, like, our brand name, like, Nike and stuff and like that. And it's like, she I wanted to tell her, I'm like, well, we actually don't have any more money. Like, we uh, we just bought this stuff. We don't have anything else. And I just felt so, like, almost embarrassed because it looked like I had so much, and I did. But, like, at the moment, I couldn't give her anything, and I just felt just, like, terrible, honestly. And then when we got the food... We were like walking around or whatever and like we saw these like homeless people and it was like I think it was actually before we got the food because we were hungry and we didn't know like where we were going to get it and like I kept seeing homeless people on the street and I was thinking like after this we get to go eat dinner somewhere cool like we're going to have some you know really great meal here and like these homeless people don't and I was like so are we really going to just take this money and eat like really do we need this food no. I was like, I'm going to go back to Fargo, like, eventually, too, and be with my family and everything. And it doesn't seem fair, you know, that Mm -hmm. these people, like, they're not just part of an exercise. This is their life. Mm -hmm. So we ended up giving, buying food and giving it all away to homeless people. And then we talked to them for a little bit because homeless people are, like, it's the isolation Mm -hmm. from others and, like, just being ignored. That's, like, really hard. So Yeah, you're right out in the
2: open and you're invisible.
3: Yeah. Mm And it, it was uncomfortable. It was just, like, we're, like, a group of teenage girls, you know, and it felt, like, weird, like, going up to these people. No- everyone was ignoring on the street. And, I mean, you kind of think it's kind of selfish, but you think, like, what are people thinking of me and stuff. But, like, that's not the point, you mm-hmm. know. It's, like, you just need to do what's right. And so we, and we talked to them for a while. And, you know, we, they had a lot of stories. Some of them were, like, also, like, asleep or – Honestly, they had drugs, and, visit, like, you could see them and stuff, and we were just, it didn't matter who it was because we were just, like, these people are obviously in need, and mm-hmm. they need, like, food and stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, to expand on what she said, that is that story is one of the ones that I think of because I was in that group with with you all, and it was a four-hour, they called it a homeless walk. So uh, everybody had to... to basically turn in everything you can't take any money with you 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 know what this two dollars per person is what you have and i had a phone but everybody else was supposed to leave what they had and they put us in this like six or eight block area of san francisco where homeless homelessness is really prevalent and said this is where you are for the next four hours rain or shine whatever and um Two things stick out from that to me. Um, One was the story that Caitlin just told about how um, the girls were all just like, hey, we know when we're going to eat again. Let's just get something. Let's pool our money together, get something, and give it all away. So we bought a loaf of bread and uh, like a a peanut butter and jelly mix. uh, and then made sandwiches out of that. And did we buy suckers or something? too? Yeah, we
3: bought suckers. <laughs> yeah,
0: so we gave sandwiches away to people, and then we gave suckers away. I think
3: we got water too.
0: And we, yeah, we might have got water. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was that was a really amazing thing with you girls that you're just like, yeah, I'm hungry, but we're gonna we're gonna eat again sometime, probably soon. Mm-hmm. The other thing that sticks out is you after. You visited with, with that woman. Mm-hmm. I could tell right then, like, that this right now is when Caitlin's heart just broke for this. Yeah. You it know? was
3: just hard to, like, honestly, like, keep it together. And I don't, like, bash anyone else for, like, afterwards just, like, laughing and going along with, like, the trip or whatever. Because it was just hard because it just, like, wouldn't get out of my head. And I think, you know, God does that on purpose. You know, he breaks your heart to show you what breaks his, and I was like, man, like, you see this all the time, and I don't know. It's just like Mm -hmm. this, you're meant, I was meant to see that, and it was meant to break my heart, Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I'm not going to not do anything about this. Right. Yeah.
2: You know, what you're talking about, it, it gets me thinking, I mean, how many of us, honestly, have ever tasted or experienced desperation
3: Mm
2: -hmm. i mean i i I think of my own life very blessed very very privileged in many ways um never like rich rich but always had enough food on the table always had a roof over my head uh never had to really experience desperation yeah
3: i know my parents growing up would always tell me that and you know they tried to instill like those values in us and, like, even, like, for example, like, um, one time, I don't remember this story, but we were, like, Christmas shopping, and I wanted this pink Barbie Jeep really, really bad. I made my parents go out, you know, to go get it. It was, like, nighttime or whatever. And we were all in the car, and we had our Christmas money, and my mom saw a homeless person. And so we went back, and she was like, you can give that homeless man as much money as you want. And she rolled on the window, and Andrew was right next to him like, the window where the homeless man was, and obviously he, like, kind of looked scary to, like, a little kid, you know, and, like, he gave him, you know, some of his money, and I, like, I was just little, so I just gave him all my money or whatever, and it was just, like, I, my mom said she remembered me saying, like, that was fun, let's, like, do it again Mm -hmm. and stuff, and, like, I think it's important for parents to teach their kids these lessons because I have friends who never give money to like the homeless people on the street and they're like, oh, well, well, they're going to use it for drugs. They're going to use it for this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, God just calls us to give. He doesn't say, you know, well, this person's good enough. God didn't save only the people who were good enough. He saved everyone. And it's like this is the money I've been blessed with from God, and so I'm going to give it back. Yeah.
2: You know, I think it's, it's, it's good, too, that, to understand that your, your calling and the instincts that God has given you um, are there for a purpose, and the same instincts uh, in dealing with the same type situation may be different for someone else, and it's not as if one is bad and one is good, and I'll give you the example of of my own experience with the the same type circumstances in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I've always held to the same idea as you that if if someone comes into my circumstance and I have some money to give, if my if if my neighbor asks me for anything, you're to give it. I mean, that's what Jesus says mm-hmm. to do, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. And yet, at the same time, if you're concerned that if you give a couple of bucks rather than going and purchasing a sandwich or purchasing some water, it's going to be used right. to that person's yeah. detriment. Well, then you're now honestly making the choice to say, okay, I got to go a little deeper here
3: and honestly and like, begin
2: a conversation with this yeah, person.
3: Yeah. And as long as you're giving, yeah. there's nothing wrong with, yeah, like definitely like purchasing food and purchasing other things that they actually need. Like, there's definitely nothing wrong with that whenever I have a couple extra bucks usually I give that and it's just like honestly however you're giving as long as you're giving I mean that's just what we're called to do and yeah I totally get that though like you don't want to be like necessarily enabling people yeah Yeah. but like no matter who the person is yeah they're worthy of some generosity in, in whatever form
2: and I think I think what I think it can be wrong also just to give and not recognize the circumstance a person is in or mm-hmm. recognize them as a person, yeah. see them. Yeah, and um, talk
3: to them. Right. yeah.
2: Uh, in both cases, walking by and being blind to them, but also just being like, here, take this, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. In both cases, you are not seeing the the person who's created in God's image. Right. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the line there. I had a colleague who, uh, in that New Orleans trip, I was driving a van full of teenagers and middle schoolers, all teenagers, we'll say 13 to 19. And uh, I was pumping up the tank and a guy came over and he was, uh, he had one, one shoe on, one shoe off and had said, Hey man, I'm, I'm really hungry. Can you, can you give me some money? Can you give me something? And I didn't think about it at the time. I just saw this guy who, who needed something and didn't have a shoe on and and so all I had was a 20 in my pocket. I gave him the 20, and I said, God bless you. I asked him if I could pray for him. And he said, yeah. And and so we prayed together, and then he went. And my colleague came up to me, and he said, and this guy had worked with the homeless in other parts of the country and had been a, a psychiatrist at, at a recovery center and so on. He said, "He said it's a good thing that you did that. You showed a good example for the kids, and you recognized him." He said, but he's probably going to take that money and use it for – Alcohol or drugs. He's mm-hmm. he's inebriated now, and I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I remember thinking, well, that's kind of a strange response, aren't we supposed to give? And he said, yeah, we're supposed to give, but we're also to love our neighbor, and that means discernment at times. Mm-hmm. So a day or two later, we were um, on site in New Orleans, and we were doing different things in the city. This is right before Katrina, and. Uh, Another homeless person came up to him and asked him for money, and I got to see how he responded. And what he did was he told him, I don't have any money to give you, but if you come with me, I'll take you over where we can get you some food, shelter, clothing, and I will go with you. Mm. The guy walked with him for about a block, Mm -hmm. and then the guy said, no, I can't do it. I don't want to, and then veered off. So, I mean, you just... it's it's being there. It's recognizing people where they're at. It's treating them with dignity, but you know they're not always going to take what you offer, um, or they're just going to want one thing but not another thing. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's one of those really tough issues where there's not a clear answer as to how do you move forward, how do you how do you help people? Yeah,
0: but you also you also don't know uh, which is which either, uh, right. because we uh, I mentioned Derek Hayes. Um, It was a really weird deal the way this worked out. Um, We went out. We had a night where we were, we had a free night. And a couple of the girls weren't feeling well. So we dropped them off back at the church before we had to be back. And then uh, we decided to go get ice cream. So we're driving around. There was ice cream just a few blocks away, right? Mm -hmm. And we get to the place. There's nowhere to park. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, drive around the block a couple times, can't find anywhere to park. Well, it's not that far, so we drive back to the church, park the van, and then walk there. So all this stuff took mm-hmm. a little while, mm-hmm. and we get there. We all go through the line, get our ice cream. We're about ready to leave, and this guy comes up. This, this is Derek now, and he asks if anybody can help a homeless man. Mm-hmm. Okay, how can we help you? What, you know? What, what's going on? And you don't know. You know, especially this was what 10:30 at night, probably, and he wound up preaching to us. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's when you think about what you're talking about. It's rediscovering, and I think we've we've lost the meaning of this word. But rediscovering hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitality doesn't mean like a four star hotel. It means treating others with dignity because they need your help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went to San Francisco, you came back, and you had a project to write a paper? Yes.
3: Um, actually, it was a project, it was just a presentation about um, an issue, um, you have to like explain it, then you have to do your own little study. So I did like a, um, like a poll for people, and then I did, um, you have to think of solutions to the problem or the causes of the problem, and then find one final solution. And then you also had to, like, explain it with, like, the terms we use in class and stuff like that. Like, why the situation happened. Um, And it's just, like, it was really hard. It was a hard issue to, like, think about because it's, like, all the causes of it. And then it's just so complicated. And then it's, like, well, now you have to solve it. And I was, like, wow, I really don't know how to do this (laughs) because I was just sitting in my room trying to get my project done. And I'm, like, wow, I really don't know what I'm doing. So, I mean, it took a while. It took a lot of thought. I don't know if I solved it. I mean... I just found some stuff that has definitely helped mm-hmm. and then like includes it, it just like includes like housing options and stuff like that, like certain types of housing. And I'm not going to, I didn't bring any of that information, whatever, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's definitely like things we can do for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I mean, it was kind of uplifting to know, I mean, there's things out there, there's like technology out there to help the homeless and I don't know, but it was just, I think the more important part was just like going in depth about the issue. Mm-hmm. And really understanding it because I think understanding it gives you more just like empathy towards people because like we said like people just turn a blind eye and these people are just lonely they're mm-hmm. I mean that's the worst part of it and they're still people and it's just I feel like they're just so like disregarded and like almost like throwaways of society when mm-hmm. they really should be like like brought to the same level as everybody else.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier you know we live in Fargo. We're Everybody does pretty well here. Mm-hmm. How is that received at, at school or when you're talking to your friends about this?
3: Well, also, um, in my English class, we did a lot of, um, we would like read like a passage out of our textbook and then we'd have debates. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot about um, homelessness is one chapter that we did. And so after... It was all kind of lining up. It was after the trip in the summer. It was those debates. And then that's when I decided to do this project on homelessness. And um, because it just it made me so infuriated in class sitting there when all these people in our privileged little town, you know, at Davies High School, you know, like, you know, that's the stereotype for our high school is just like all these like kids who get everything they want. And it's like we're sitting there and these kids are like, yeah, I think it's their fault. You know, like, it's just too bad for them. I guess they have to figure it out. And I was sitting there, I'm like, where's the empathy in humanity anymore? Like, you can think like that, I guess. But, like, when you look at the Bible, did Jesus say that about, you know, even the tax collectors, even, like, the leprosies? He didn't say, well, too bad for them. They'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. He had empathy no matter what messed up things these people had done in their lives. And it's just, like, to sit there and listen to my classmates who I thought were, you know, really good people and I'm sure they are still, I mean, they are, but to listen to like what all our culture, like even just here in Fargo has like how they have like explained homelessness and like our views on homelessness. And just to hear that out loud, what these people were saying was just really heartbreaking for me. Mm -hmm. And that was my last class of the day. So I remember driving home, just like shaking mad and I'd get home and I would just rant to my mom every day (laughs) and she would just be like, Caitlin, like, you have a heart for this. You need to do something about it, then. And I was like, "You're right, you know." And so, yeah, I did my project on homelessness, and it's just something that it was, yeah, and it was good to learn even more about it. But yeah, those talks in class was just like eye opening to because I thought everyone like understood, you know, and everyone had some humanity for these people. But honestly, it was just heartbreaking to hear my classmates, you know, what they had to say. And we're so privileged here in Fargo; like, we don't see it like there. People don't think it's that big of a deal and they think it's just drug addicts. And, you know, some part of it is, but like who just chose that life for themselves and they don't deserve redemption. And it's Mm -hmm. just super like the world's just becoming so hardened towards everyone. And it's like, I think one of the main like problems in the world is just lack of humanity. Mm -hmm. And like the Bible is the opposite. All it teaches is love. Right. That's, if you could boil down the Bible to one word, it would be love, mm-hmm. love each other. And that's what that was the greatest sacrifice is out of love. And it's just like, that's what we're missing. And it's just really hard. But, you know, then we just need people to be educated. Education is the first step to just if people just understand the problem, they understand what's going on, they can help it and not, you know, cause like make these assumptions. And, you know, I wrote some of them down. And I'm sure like a lot of people, you know, like they think these and that's what I was the first part of my presentation was like combating these. It's just like a lot of people think people choose to be homeless and there are many different reasons people fall into homelessness. Lack of the main ones are lack of affordable housing is the first one. Insufficient income health issues that cause homelessness, domestic violence victims, and then um, racial inequality that started long ago, you know, at the end of slavery, just like being like behind since then you know it's just harder um and it's a really hard situation to get out of once you have a lack of resources once you're behind it's like a hole you know and you just keep digging and you just can't get back out of it people don't understand it's like how are you going to get a job if you have no money where are you going to go how are you going to get there how are you going to look presentable it's just like who wants to hire that person, you know? And it's just like, you can't just get a job. And that's another one of them. Well, like, uh, one of the um, misconceptions I had was they should just find a job. And it's like, lack of, re- it's just, there's a lot of barriers. You know, they can't even print out a resume mm-hmm. or if they don't have the education to either. Like, yeah, yeah or like, homeless people are lazy. Um, you know, even in those four hours, homeless people are in survival mode and it's exhausting. It's exhausting mm-hmm. going place to place and your safety is always threatened and you're just trying to get through the day. So how are these people supposed to think, you know, long-term goals and everything when they're just trying to survive?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Well, or even one of the things that always makes me laugh is when people are like, well, they should just get a job and save money. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're living, you know, on the street, on the street, <laughs> underneath the bridge, your Folger soup can, somebody's going to yeah, come find that Like you don't have money. a safe yeah. spot for even the basic things thing to save money.
3: And you like you can't have a bank account no. cuz where is your home address? You don't have one. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's just people don't understand that it's a lot more complicated mm. and it's like yeah, once you already are like you know, disadvantaged. I mean, it's so hard to get out of that hole that mm-hmm. you're in. It's a cycle that. You a know, there's into.
2: um there's some language that you use that I I want to lift up a little bit. Like when my son was a year old, he was uh to use the language of his doctor, he was he was um, failure to thrive, mm-hmm. right? Which means he was surviving, but he wasn't uh, continually moving forward in his development. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is if your day-to-day is about surviving, then it's not about thriving. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is we are all thriving. If you, if you exactly. can have three meals a day, if you can have a roof over your head, if you can earn an income, mm-hmm. you are thriving. You're not surviving. Right. Um, what you're talking about is true. Truly surviving. Yeah. Um, so it's it's ignorant. Yes,
3: exactly. To
2: assume that that person who is experiencing desperation can thrive on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, my son couldn't. Yeah, he needed help.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's the same thing. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, on that walk, and speaking of, you know, th- they don't have anything literally anything clothes they were wearing clothes but we were walking around for four hours and it was hard to find a spot to sit yeah other than the the street or the sidewalk
3: and the thing that angers me the most is all of that i mean i'm sure you guys have seen that anti-homelessness architecture mm-hmm. you know purposely putting spikes places or you know making things so homeless people don't have a place to get out of the rain or don't have a place to sleep and it's like have we really gone that far like as to not even like want people to be like like somewhat safe people living on the streets like we we really just hate them that much it's just like man like i don't know that kind of breaks my heart mm-hmm. how people think that's okay mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and um the last the last myth those are all kind of connected the last myth i had was just and it's like what you talked about earlier too like um all people who experience homelessness are addicts which isn't true but like a lot of them do. And I mean, understandably. So, I mean, if you're living on the streets, your life, I mean, you're going to turn to substances and we can't enable that. And you know, you're right. We need to like give them other ways to like survive, giving them food and giving them water and resources instead of just sometimes money isn't always the best option. And, um, it doesn't fix everything. Yeah. It doesn't fix everything, but like, a lot of people do draw the assumption that all homeless people are addicts. They won't talk to them on the street. They won't, you know, and it's like only like a a percentage of them are. And it's like this usage can be attributed to poor mental health problems or trauma that led to homelessness. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can't, even if these people are addicts, it's like they're still worthy of our attention and help. I feel like a lot of people want to save the good homeless people who like – got into that situation out of their control, and this seems like something they could control, but when you, like, you don't know the whole story, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I feel like people just write those people off, you know, so easily, and you think about someone who's, like, even, like, bipolar, schizophrenic living on the street, they're going to be labeled, like, someone who's crazy, someone who, and they don't have access to, you know, sufficient treatment, and it could have been mental health problems that they... Had before they were homeless that caused homelessness or that they developed while being homeless. I mean how much trauma you have being homeless and it's mm-hmm. like it's just It's another huge issue that these people have and then you expect them to go find a job when they're You know, they don't they don't even have medication for their problems and it's like everything is such a cycle Like you said it just builds on each other and it's so hard. It's just a hole that they keep digging in. And once you start getting into it, there's really no way out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: well, I'm curious. You know, it sounds like through through your own personal experiences and the study that you've you've done, you've delved deep in, in getting a, a good understanding of the problem of homelessness. Did you discover any solutions? I mean, it it, it can't just be one solution. There's yeah, it's no. Too there's complex. definitely
3: multiple. Um, there's this type of housing. I cannot remember the name of it, but it's like housing where they don't have to pay rent for a while because like once you start making money and then you have to start giving it away right away, you can't afford housing for very long. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's these types of housing, I can't remember what they're called, but, like, where they get to live there and as long as they have employment, they have proof of employment, they have proof of a lot of other things, they get this housing and they give them resources at these houses for, like, um, you know, job interviews or, like, places they can get things that they need, like like toiletries and stuff and especially for their kids a lot of these are aimed towards families but you know most I think I have the exact statistic right here um 67 percent of homeless people are individuals you know and it's like they're the ones that people typically write off it's Mm -hmm, usually focused mm -hmm. on the families which is important but like a lot of these individuals like they need help and that includes a lot of veterans Mm
1: -hmm, you know and mm -hmm. it's
3: like they can't just be written off but um Yeah, it was that kind of housing. It's just like making sure people don't go into poverty in the first place, just prevention, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And just like a lot of it's just kind of giving these people a break so they can just get on their feet. Most of the solutions are just revolved around, you know, having some empathy. I mean, you have to keep them in check, obviously, but like just giving them a break so they can get back on their feet, get back into a normal life, giving them... The resources in, like they need, especially with addiction and mental health issues, because that's a big problem why these people can't keep a job or keep a place, even when they're given the resources.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh. So wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it's a lot. I, mm-hmm. It was. Uh, what was your, was your opinion of homelessness different before we went to San Francisco? Like, um, did did a lot change, or was it more uh, just seeing the reality of it in person when we were there?
3: You know, I think I didn't really realize the total reality of the situation. I definitely, I mean, I always kind of had the same view of homeless people, but I didn't have the same passion for it mm-hmm. until seeing it in reality. And, you know, God broke my heart, and I was just like, wow, like— this is so real and it's such a bigger issue and just to see it in person and see it like that and you know you know going to that trip seeing san francisco all the cool places i was like wow this is fun Mm -hmm. and then we went to like you know like the tenderloins and stuff and i was like wow like this is breaking my heart and then to go back to those places we went to it was just like heartbreaking to think here's these people two blocks away affluent like You know, in these nice parks don't even minding, like, they're not, they don't know about, like, the homeless people, like, two blocks away. They don't care. They're not, and, like, all the money that's put in by the city to make these, you know, super nice parks that homeless people aren't allowed to be in, and, like, when there's people literally, like, you know, like, suffering and starving on the streets, like, just a couple blocks away. It's just, like, it's so hard to think about that contrast, and Mm -hmm. that's what really, like, sunk in for me was just like the contrast between you know the rich and the poor and it's yeah. like this is it's just wrong you yeah. know to think there's such a difference between the two in a world where we have enough money to support everyone in the world and i'm not talking about like communism but i'm just saying like you know it just is it is kind of you know heartbreaking though like yeah
2: you know i um I, I every so often i'll give this message about all the problems in the world mm-hmm. and and I have the solution to every problem in the world. I can fix every problem in the world, you know. If you said, "Well, it, you know, no one likes war. Everyone has a problem with war. We got a real simple solution. If everyone would just forgive each other yep. and decide not to w- not to make war anymore, mm-hmm. we'd have no more war." Right. Uh, hunger. Hunger is something that can be cured for you know a number we can recognize between seven and ten billion dollars a year. Yeah. Everyone in the world would be fed. Well, what's stopping us from doing it? If we would just forgive each other and trust each other to distribute the food fairly mm-hmm. there'd be no more hunger mm-hmm. same with all these issues and you might say well that's really naive mm-hmm. and yeah it just right?
3: it's a broken yeah. world you know right. and like, and it is naive yeah
2: because the problem isn't the solutions the problem is the will of people to do them
3: yeah and it's like our nature is sinful and so I mean, like we say in school, it's like, well, communism would work if the world was perfect and Jesus was leading it, you know? And it's like, Mm. that's true. Like, that is the way it works. That's probably how heaven works. And it's like, it just, it can't work here because people are corrupt and people Mm. do, they're selfish and they're hateful. And it's like, that's why we have these like grave, like injustices in the world. And that's why we have like war and all these homeless people starving because and, yeah, it's yeah. it's frustrating. We have a number on how much money it would take to feed these people, and it's still we have such a difference between the dirt poor and the rich, like the one percenters, and it's like, I mean, it should bother you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just hard because I get frustrated when I can't fix everything, you know? Yeah. What and we've discovered
2: yeah. with talking about things like, like communism and an earthly way of doing these things is that what you get with central government is not – um, utopia. Every time it's been tried, you get you get equal misery.
3: Just corrupt corruption, right? And <laughs> yeah. it just yeah. all, yeah. yeah.
2: No, but I like that. That you know, my grandfather used to say things like that. To, uh, this is back in the '60s mm-hmm. to get a rise out of people yeah. at the dinner table <laughs> <laughs> to say, you know what? I'll bet you Jesus would be okay with communism. That's a pretty good system. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, is that in this world, short of Jesus coming back again, yeah. uh And when Jesus comes back again, it's not communism it's the kingdom yeah right (laughs) (laughs) where everyone will have an abundance of god's gifts rather than the bare minimum which is what we get under earthly systems unfortunately right so you need individuals that have a love for it that god's put it on their heart to go and love for their neighbor Mm -hmm. just like just like you're going and learning about this and and having and discerning is god Mm -hmm. calling me to find a way to spread this word and to help and God bless you, Caitlin.
3: This, uh, this thank stuff. you. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think another thing that's important to point out is a lot of times we go on these mission trips in the summertime and we come back and we have all these cool pictures of, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge and Fisherman's Wharf and all this other fun stuff that we did. And I think sometimes there's a misconception that, well, what what did you actually do there? Like, mm-hmm. was, it, was this just a vacation for you? Mm-hmm. And, and it was, that's why I'm glad that you came on because it's not just a vacation. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the only time we have time to take pictures is when, you know, we have those few hours where, yeah, yeah we did do some sightseeing, but right. other than that, we were working too hard to take pictures. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted you to come on and, and so people can see this is life changing stuff going on mission trips. Mm-hmm. like
3: education i mean and like seeing the reality of the world i think is like one of the most important things i don't even think us being there was helping the people as much as it was changing us you know as people like i feel like mission trips are important more for because i get people would probably be like oh you're spending all that money just to go you know volunteer for a while you know and it's like it's not so much for them as it is for us to serve them and just humble ourselves like jesus did you know like mm-hmm. that is the point and if everyone my mom likes to say if everyone went on a mission trip like that the world would be such a better place mm-hmm. because that's what we need is just you know we don't need to like fix the pro like the like the solution is people being more like generous and people being more you know just like having more like humility and humanity for people
2: recognize your neighbor mm-hmm. yeah your neighbor it's so much. It's so easy to be you know, when you're o- in your own place, in your own world, and in, in a place like, like North Dakota, where we have, a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, it's very easy, just like you said, to just get turned in on our own belly buttons, mm-hmm. and not see that there's a whole world out there that God's saying, "I'm sending you, mm-hmm. to go and and love on your neighbor." And when you do that, you're shining the light of Christ. And you're becoming a witness to something like the man you met in in San Francisco. In, as he carried his cross, he becomes a witness to everybody around him. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: uh, he was. We didn't preach to him; he preached to us.
2: Yeah. yeah. So. You, you all may have thought you were wealthy in comparison, <laughs> but he's wealthy in spirit. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And the reason why um, he approached us was he needed um, he had his tent and he needed a tarp to cover his tent. Because somebody had cut his up for helping someone else, mm-hmm. um, he helped. He, he he's a black man. He helped a white man um, that wasn't received well, evidently. And someone was offended by it. And they cut up his tarp, and so everything he had has is in that tent. And so he needed the tarp to protect what little he had. Mm-hmm. So we helped him out, and he was able to get a tarp. And it, it you know. That felt good, but what felt better was walking away, going, "Wow, he blessed you back." He, he did, yeah, yes. So you have a lot of you have a lot of notes. Do you have more notes?
3: Well, I just wanted to. I know we're probably wrapping up. Um, we got just, some. We got some time. Fine. Okay. Okay. Um, Unless you have somewhere to be. No. Nope. <laughs> 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 um, I just had like. I mean, most of like I had those statistics and whatever, and just some notes about the trip. But I what I think is like. The most impactful part is, you know, what the Bible says, because that is how we're supposed to, like, live our lives. And, you know, one of the verses I'm sure a lot of people are, like, familiar with is, you know, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. The whole part about, you know, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And everyone knows this verse and knows where it's going and how he says to the ones on his right, come, you will be blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came for me. And today, I like even read that to like my mom just to show her what I was going to bring. And I like the part about... I mean, the prison part, too, because it those are the people, you know, who we think are, like, the bad people committing crimes, you know, and it's, like, God's, like, where were you for those people? He calls us to be there for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like, yeah, I just hate how we, and everyone, I I mean, obviously, I do, too, like, write-off people or, you know, mean girls in school or whatever. It's just, like, all, oh, like, ugh, like, I don't like her, you know, like I can be mean to her. I can just not like her, talk bad about her. And it's like, he's calling us to, you know, be there for everyone. And it's hard and everyone, not, I mean, that's so difficult to do. No one does that. No one can do that, but Jesus. And it's like, it's something to remember. And yeah. And those people who are there for those people who did, you know, clothe the, the least of these, cause like the sheep, you know, they're wondering, they're like, when were we like there for you when were you hungry and it's like when you are there for you know the homeless people the outcasts you are there for me and that's the way we serve God and it's like if God showed up on your doorstep you would do that so that's what we have to do for you know his creation and yeah that's what I I just love that verse because it's a really good reminder that everything we're blessed with is God's and that's why you know Everything like this, is just earthly possessions, and they'll you know, they'll tarnish and are real rewards in heaven. And I think that's just good to remember.
0: Amen. Well said. Yeah, <laughs>
3: preach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, oops, sorry. Were so, so this is a fun question now. Yes, were you expecting San Francisco to be as cold as it was?
3: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I brought so many, like, I was going to bring so many, like, shorts and stuff. And my mom was like, Caitlin, it's cold there. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then I ended up wearing all my sweatshirts and, like, long pants. And I was like, oh, okay, like, thanks, Mom, I guess. I mean. Well,
0: it's it's funny because um, we did our research, you know, we, mm-hmm. we did all that stuff. And everybody said, hey, this isn't sunny California. This is San Francisco <laughs> now. And. So we're like, oh, okay, and everybody we talked to is like, hey, just so you know, it, it you know it gets it's cold, and full we're ho- like,
1: full house really paints a fake narrative. They really it. Yeah. is there. Where where
2: I'm from, <laughs> we consider this South Seattle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so I'm like, okay, well that's what everybody's telling us, right? So we every meeting we had, hey, you know, don't bother packing shorts, dress warm, dress warm, sweatshirts, all this stuff. So we get there, we get off the plane, we get our our van, we go to Oakland, which is on the other side of the bay. Mm -hmm. I get out of the van and I go, oh, so hot. these girls are going (laughs) to shoot me. (laughs) It is hot out here. And so we unload everything and the whole time I'm going, man, it is, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. This is so hot. We get back in the van, we go to the Golden Gate Bridge and it's like fall around here. Like everybody's nose is running and like wow this is cold
3: yeah (laughs) i mean i i almost kind of enjoyed it though i'm definitely not like a really warm weather person so it's just it's the lack of the sun though when it's like breezy and it's just like cloudy that's when it kind of gets you and you're like oh like this is supposed to be california
2: (laughs) yeah Have have you ever been to um duluth in the fall
0: I've been there in the spring. Not go the fall. there in
2: the fall I and tell me if that reminds you of your trip to San Francisco. Okay. Because the the Bay Area is a lot like the Puget Sound where I'm from in Seattle. Okay. And so you have this temperate weather that it never gets below 40, but it never gets above like 70 either. It's always right in between there for the most part. Mm-hmm. And and that's San Francisco to a T. Just. Cold. <laughs> yeah.
0: I couldn't believe yeah. it. Uh, you've got to be kidding me. Just, I mean, we can see Oakland right there, yeah. and it's about 15 degrees warmer yeah. over there.
2: That's, so, that's the ocean for you. Yeah. This changes things a bit.
0: And what was, do you know the name of the fog? The fog there has a name. I can't, was it? Oh, my,
3: my it gosh. What was it? Carl? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It has own Twitter it, or something like that. Yeah, it's
0: got its own Twitter feed, sure. the, the fog in San Francisco. So um, I know you're a runner
3: mm-hmm, kind of <laughs> I try, <laughs>
0: yeah, and how much did that help you at the Denver International Airport?
3: Oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> stressful. We got off our plane, and why were why was it so close? I can't remember if the other one was delayed or something, but
0: yeah, we had a two hour and forty five minute layover in Denver on the way back, so we're like, well, we got all kinds of time,
3: but then when we got to the Oh, Wait, wait! I don't remember how it went.
0: Yeah, so they were having. Uh, I remember because I'm like, "Where are we gonna stay tonight?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we've got this two hour and forty five minute layover once we get to Denver from San Francisco. So then they get on the intercom and they say that the plane is delayed by an hour. And we're like, "Oh, we still got an hour and forty five minutes. No biggie." Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, an hour and a half. And pretty soon they're like, okay, here's the deal. There's weather issues in Denver, and they aren't going to allow any planes in for a while. We're like, okay. And pretty soon we're like, okay, two-hour delay. Next thing they're saying, they're letting us know, hey, we might not fly to Denver tonight. I'm going, what am I going (laughs) to (laughs) do? Well, okay. So then they said, okay, we're going to go. Uh, but it's going to be close. We had a two hour and 45 minute layover. We left two hours and 50 minutes late out of San Francisco. So we're on the plane and I'm going, oh man, great. So now we, we traded sleeping overnight at San Francisco airport to staying overnight at Denver international. (laughs) Yeah. So
2: ocean level to (laughs)
0: mile, mile high. Yeah. So we're flying there and you know, the captain saying, we're going to try to make up time and, whatever and as we're getting there i'm watching i'm looking at my clock going okay this is like this is close Mm -hmm. so we get there and they announce over the intercom as we're taxiing uh, we have some people that uh, it's going to be really close and so if you're not in a rush to get to your next flight please stay seated let them leave you know, let them get off the plane because they got a plane to catch. So we're all filing off and I'm the last one out. And, you know, the captain stands there and the flight attendants are there. Thanks for flying with us. Thanks for flying with us, whatever, whatever. And all the girls go by and I, I, you know, the captain, thanks for, thanks for flying. The last attendant in line looks me right in the eye and says, run. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, All right. (laughs) Because where we where we got off to where we needed to be was, I don't know if you've ever been to Denver International, mm-hmm. but it's all the way across, <laughs> all the way across. Mm-hmm. So we get. You're flying
2: United, weren't you? Yeah, we yeah. flew United it's through Denver.
0: Yeah, and so I'm the last one waiting for everybody else, and I get out of the little what do they call the little chute that you walk. You know, the, that's the, what they call it—the shoot. The shoot. Sure, the little shoot. That I know. get out and I look, and all I see is Caitlin is gone. <laughs> I hope she knows where she's going because I'm never catching her. <laughs> so I've we,
3: never run that fast, probably. Right? So were you the first one there? And you're no, saying, well, Hold the plate, there was a couple other people in front of me, but yeah, I was trying to keep up with like McKenna. The, like she's she's a really big runner and. You know, we were just trying to make it there or whatever. And then we get there and we get in the seats and they're like, Oh yeah, we um delayed the plane like ten minutes for you guys and I was like, yep. Oh so yeah. we sat there for ten minutes. I was trying to catch my breath. I was like, So there's no need like I didn't have to like bolt there. Yeah.
0: We we're sitting safe and sorry. We're in yeah. our seats and they're still unloading our luggage on the other plane. But When we got there is when we found out this plane was not... We could have been delayed four hours, and this thing would not have left because it was just a little puddle jumper going Mm -hmm. from Denver to Fargo. And so all the other people, there were two-thirds of the passengers. were.
2: (laughs) So uh, 20-something years ago, little side story, the flight you took from Denver to Fargo is known as the Barbie jet to the United Pilots. And I know that because I used to go from the hotel that united contracts with in fargo to pick them up mm. when they would fly in at about 10 o'clock at night and then take them to the airport when they would fly out at about six in the morning <laughs> and so you got to, you were on the the Little barbie jump jet <laughs> yep
0: the barbie jump jet mm-hmm. yep. yep so we made it i took pictures of everybody all of us all gone
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i have two questions quick then so did the cross airport run let you observe all of the sightseeing that is Denver Airport.
0: No, oh. no, it, it did not. So what we did, well, like I said, Caitlin was gone,
1: <laughs>
0: but so I'm the last one, and uh, you know, when you're going through the airport, you've got the the um, automated. It's like a, like a flat escalator, I mm-hmm. guess. Is you know yep. right. So finally, I'm saying to the other girls, all right, here's the deal run between these two spots when you get on there, then just walk because we got to go. But we made it, but man, we were running.
1: (laughs) And then my last question is, Ryan, do you regret not paying the money to buy the security footage of you guys running through? I
0: wish (laughs) you wouldn't have brought that up. We called. They were going to put that together for us. Really? Yeah, I can't remember what the price was going to be, but they would have... 90 bucks. They would have... Thanks.
1: Guaranteed. (laughs) I didn't forget.
3: Yeah.
0: They would have put that together for us, uh, all the security footage of us running through Denver International, but...
3: Yeah, it think? was a mess too because I remember someone <laughs> dropped their sweatshirt. They had to go back for it. My bag was—I always had like one handle on it—and it was just a mess. Yeah, <laughs> would have been funny.
0: Yeah, it was good times. So, Caitlin, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I really of appreciate this. It was really good. Is there anything else you wanted to say or add or anything?
3: Nope, I think I got it all. <laughs>
0: okay, cool. Um,
3: I'm starting to think
2: this this should be renamed the that. Po- po- that podcast, a.k.a. The Hanson Show.
0: The Hanson yeah. Show. Because we just said
2: a Hanson after a Hanson yeah. after a Hanson.
0: Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah, we had Lisa Barb and now Caitlin, yeah. <laughs> so, Keep it going. It's yeah. Hansons. Oh, one more thing. Where where are, all the, where are the cool kids hanging out on the social media? We, we need to know this for our... We're on like, the Twitter. We're on the yep, oh. Twitter. <laughs> we're yep. on the Facebook. That
1: should be the... The most reaction you need is, oh, to Twitter.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one.
0: Uh, we'll have to figure it out.
3: <laughs>
0: All right. Sarah, you want to pray us out of here?
1: Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for Caitlin and her heart for homelessness and the education she's done. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to guide her as she goes deeper into this subject and... You continue her heart for this. As it's a big problem that needs not a solution, but more love and more humility towards. So I thank you for her, and I thank you for her mission. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. And don't forget that you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1030 on atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube, we have traditional and modern services, and all of our worship services you can find on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. So for Sarah DeYoung, Pastor DJ Lura, and Caitlin Hansen, I'm Ryan Jenke. Meet us back here for another riveting week of that podcast.